Business Bros is your show, where small business professionals just like you come to tell their stories. This podcast is for those who understand the number one rule in business, which is to be of service to others. Learn how today's professionals generate leads, what's working on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of those who are out there doing the real work. And now let's welcome your hosts, Hernan Cias, the real estate bro with eXp Realty, the cloud-based brokerage where top producers reign, and James Cias, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, making sure you are covered because there's a lot riding out there. And now here are the business bros. Welcome to another episode of Business Bros. It's getting better, dude. It's more in sync now, even with the delay. Yeah, I just jumped it, man. I jumped it. Yep. Hernan is here, host of the Business Bros Podcast, where we are helping you take control of your branding, your marketing, so that you can have wealth today and generational wealth tomorrow through the power of podcasting, along with my co-host... The insurance bro, James Diaz, with Pipeline Insurance, where we empower licensed professionals to effectively add insurance to their existing businesses. And boy, oh boy, I forgot what day it is, but... Somehow, some way, I'm still going to say TGIF. Thank God it's Friday, right? Friday! Friday! <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me uh, introduce our guest today, though. Today's guest is a proud San Diego native, graduate of SDSU, and has been working fashionably in the sales industry for over 14 years. Our guest today has a remarkable story about how he gained clarity and nowadays is passionate about helping real estate professionals get crystal clear about how to get the ideal clients and income they deserve. Bringing to the show a magnetic charisma, please welcome a professional relationship builder, channel developer, negotiator, sales strategist, and innovator thinker from WFG National Title Company. Please welcome to the show, Jeremy Coombs. Woo! I'm going to have to turn the phone meter all the way to red on that. That's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy, welcome to the program, man. Thanks for having me. You have a fun meter. I I didn't even notice it until you said it. That's amazing. Bravo. Bravo. Yeah, man. One of the things that I do um, is I reinvigorate the human spirit. I remember I remind people what it's like to actually have fun, right? Because we're taught so many filters in life. You guys are parents, right? You have kids. And when you have kids... It's just how they see the world is so perfect. And it's like, as adults, why do we forget that? Like, why do we forget to have fun in everything? Like, whoa, this is cool. So. I, I, like, I like the word awesome. It comes out of my vocabulary quite a bit. I type it a lot. I use exclamation points, like when I type stuff in messages. And I'm, I'm sure the other, everybody else is thinking, this guy really that excited? I'm like, yes, dude, that's, this is awesome. Like, this is, this is exactly what's going on. I love it. Uh, but uh, you're right. People, people forget about what it's like to be a kid. People forget about what it's like because we start doing uh, adulting things. But uh, I don't know. You told me a little while ago, you're a completely different person from when you were when, uh, when you were in your early twenties. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what, what definition did you have of fun then? Oh, you want to get into the nitty gritty right away, huh? Right away. Let's hit it. So um, in my 20s, I was running from myself. I had a giant fear that people would think I was gay. And it's based upon my upbringing. My father said a lot of derogatory terms like, I'm kind of quirky. I don't like to leave the house with wrinkles. Like, mm-hmm. So my dad would say these things to me. Um, and, and I was super nice. And people would take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Well, then this girl broke my heart. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm tired of being this weak person. 
right? In quotation marks. Yeah. I'm going to become a man. And so I wanted to create the man of my dad's version, right? Which means that I wanted to drink as much as I could, sleep with as many women as I could, and just fight as often as I could, right? And I did it well. So my whole life in, in the 20s was just constantly living that out. Well, here's the thing is I found out that I hated myself and it came to a head on the last night that I drink. I haven't had it. So in February was 10 years, no drinking. I quit drinking because I made a decision to stop running from myself and get real with myself. Because really what I was doing was just masking who I was and I didn't have control of my emotions and my negative self-talk. And it started to come out in bad things, bad decisions. I was hurting lots of people fighting, which is not congruent with the character and the person that I am. Did you stop ironing your clothes? No, I got a steamer. <laughs> the funny thing is my dad gave it to me for Christmas, so he's come a long way too. <laughs> and it's interesting because I have a twin brother. And so we're, we're yeah, you guys didn't know that. We're no. twins. And so we're a little bit, of, he's, I was more outgoing, more emotional, fashionable, and he was the opposite, right? Joel doesn't care. And so I, I got a lot of ridicule, right? So uh, it happened. And, and, you know what? My dad was doing the best he could with what he had. I don't ever believe that he intentionally said things or tried to hurt me. It's just all he knew. That was his program. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's, that's big though. And um, talk me, talk me through that last little ledge, the thing that, that snapped where you decided to make a big difference. Cause there's a lot of people who, you know, even, even James talks about how, uh, I, I don't know how many months sober now, James, like five, six months, something like that. No, 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 no. Just over four. Just over, just over four. four. Yeah. So, so, it, and it comes usually after a bender, right? After something where you wake up, you know, morning after morning and it's still kind of last night and you don't really you know, know how to function forward, but something inside you changes. Like you decided that I'm tired of being this person. I need to be this person. Like dive a little bit deeper than that. What, what does that feel like? Like, what were you feeling? Yeah. So first on congratulations, James, like four months is spectacular. Welcome to that journey. And I honor you, you for taking you. that step. So the story, okay. There were lots of things that should have been that event, but no one, here's the thing about change. People don't actually change until the pain exceeds the fear of change. So for me, all this stuff was happening in the, in my twenties. And then on the last night I drank, I was one of the co-owners of a, a magazine called Happy Hour Magazine. And we had a Super Bowl party at the tap room. That makes sense, by the way. Yes. The night, the night before, I was at a Jägermeister party downtown. So I woke up still drunk. We go have our party and I just get obliterated. I'm blacked out. We're driving down the freeway. It's me, two of my good friends, and a girl that I used to date. I'm in the back seat and I kick the steering wheel of the car. The car veers across the freeway. Luckily, she's able to keep control, pulls over. My friend Reese and I get into a fight. I walk home downtown and I destroyed my apartment. It looked like someone just, it looked like they robbed my, my place. Like everything was broken. At the time I was training Muay Thai and I kicked the door and just obliterated it. Um, but you know, in a blackout, you remember one thing. It's like <laughs> one or two foggy moments, right? You remember yeah. them. Well, I was, I was holding a handful of blue pills and I don't know if I took them or not. I know they were Tylenol PM, but I don't actually know that if I took them or not, I woke up in the morning was like, oh shit, like what happened to my place? Right. And Reese and I lived in the same apartment complex and he comes up to my apartment and I'm telling you, this is one of my very best friends says, you know what? Fuck you. I don't ever want to talk to you. 
I'm going to tell you what happened last night because I don't, I know you don't remember. And so he recalled all the events that I just shared with you. And then he added, Jeremy, I came in to talk to you. You were curled up in your bed, crying in the fetal position. And so he leaves and I'm sitting there hung over as all hell, just dripping profusely on the couch. And ironically, I heard this little voice and it was my dad's voice. And my dad said, someday, son, you're going to have to stand in front of the mirror, drop your pants and figure out what kind of man you really are. And I knew that he had meant that figuratively, but I still got up and went to the mirror. And I just looked myself in the mirror and just said, you know what? That's it. I could have killed so many people. All, I played through all the things that could have happened. But more importantly, I was making excuses. And I was like, I'm not running from myself any longer. I'm going to find out the man that I really think I am without booze. I'm going to stop making excuses for my life. That's and powerful. that was the last that was the very last time and I haven't had alcohol since. That's powerful. What, and the thing is like, I don't even miss it because I made, there's a very big distinction that people forget is when you say I can't do something, you set yourself up for failure. But when you say I don't, you've made a decision. Mm-hmm. One small word. Yeah. Melina actually talked about that in her podcast too. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I don't do something you're right. It's, it's totally different, but you also opened your mind to, I do things you're, you changed, you know, what, what you actually do. You, I mean, did you just drop the magazine and, and that's it? You left that whole lifestyle. I mean, you had happy no. hour magazine, like how does, how does your life, you know, when you decide to make a change as an individual, how does that transfer over to your lifestyle? You're, you're still having you know, you still had appointments, you still had, you know, clients and customers and, and advertisements, all this stuff that's still going on. How does one change themselves and then push that forward on a day to day? So for me, I knew that what I wanted to be right. So I didn't change my environment, which really you should change your environment. Now what I know now I should have changed my environment. Friday night, so that's Monday I wake up like that, right? Friday night, I was at the Fleetwood dancing with all my friends. I put myself right into the fire because that's who I am. Like, I'm gonna, if I make this decision, let's find out what I'm made of. And so the, the biggest thing was training my friends. And it took about six months for them to realize that I was serious. Because you imagine, I was the center of attention. I was the party, you know, like free drinks, free this, free everything, to saying, no, I'm not doing that anymore. And people would hand me shots. And I would say, no, I'm, nope. Mm -mm. come on, come on, come on, come on. I said, no, I'm not. So I, I don't, it's not always the best strategy to go back into the fire, but I Mm -hmm. knew what I was made of. Right. You gave yourself that look, that hard look and made a difference. All right. All right. So, so you made a change, you become a a different individual. You're still fun, right? Obviously you're (laughs) out there dancing that Friday night, right? You're still a fun guy. Um, what, whatever happened to that, to that, uh, partnership and, and how'd you end up getting the title? Uh, so the magazine disbanded. Um, I won't get into the details of that. And one of my friends, uh, works at California title still said, Hey, you know what? I have a job for you. And I had a job in title and that started, um, my what's it's been. Yeah. Almost 10 years in real estate. So I had a title job at California title and then I got into mortgages. Um, my, my mortgage boss knew that I was good at marketing. So I started a real estate marketing company. Uh, and then I realized that other people were leveraging me and were making far more money than me and that um, the marketing wasn't sustainable. And I got back into title. Hmm. Just why title? Like, well, I started if, get, 
of all well, of all the different spaces that you could have done marketing where you meet people, you have a great personality, you connect with individuals, titles vary B2B versus working with clients direct, right? So why why that avenue? Well, so understanding my personality, right? I'm, I'm a, what's called a blaze genius. If you look up Roger James Hamilton genius test, and I can actually give you guys links to take this test. I'm a who I'm a blaze genius. It's summer fire energy. And I'm there's subsectors in that. And I'm a supporter. So I love watching people have success, right? So I can go help them. There's something very addicting to me. And obviously booze that everyone's an addict addict of something, whether they want to admit it or not. Mm -hmm. A lot of people right now, it's Facebook and Instagram, right? Yep. One of the things that I'm addicted to is watching people have success and being a part of that, giving them a strategy and watching them go, the lights turn on. So in title, we, I'm a master connector. I can get resources. I can change, be, be the coach that I am and help change mindset and then watch the, the effect that it has. So although people say title and it's not very glorious, there's so much more depth to most title people than we get given credit for just people look down on the job, right? Like title, what's title? Like, well, no done right. And the high level reps are more coaches than anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, it's giving those strategies and helping someone grow and watch. I'm like a farmer, right? I really am. I, I plant seeds and I water them. I do that across all my different aspects because I'm, I'm really an entrepreneur rather than just a title rep, right? I have, um, 26 units in Cleveland that I buy and hold. I have an Airbnb. I have a men's coaching business. So like, there's so much more than just title. Right. A title is just a title <laughs> that you hold. No, well, it's funny because you know, that, that the actual practice of title it does, it does sound very boring, but as a title <laughs> rep, it, it does. I mean, you're, you're looking it up. Ter uh, it's, it's terribly it's not, boring. It's not be real. Yeah. A hundred percent. It is. But then there's the people that love that, right? Our personality is not that. We would right. never do that. That's what in, in that world that I was telling you is a steel genius. That's what they love to do, right? They can't be doing what we do. They're not going to go talk to people and be outgoing. They hate that. You and I are not going to sit behind a computer all day, right? Oh. Just, it's just not going to happen. So it's just understanding that people have certain personality types that fit well. So the title people, they love that stuff. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So you got into this whole, uh, being a title rep, um, what parts of your personality do you think, you know, you, you talked about a little bit, but what type of your personality, um, traits helped you excel? Cause there's people who get into title and they're outgoing. They talk to people, but they're not, they don't end up being such a high level. What, what makes you different? What makes you excel? Okay. So what do you, um, where do I excel? I'm a professional listener, right? I see pain. Right? When people use words, I can understand and process the pain, but it's also the people I'm connected with. I am a master connector. So I'm always talking to different people. I'm in two very high ticket masterminds where I'm meeting people that I'm, I don't ever want to be the smartest person in the room. Like before I jumped on this podcast, I'm in the genius network. It's guys that are making hundreds of millions of dollars, men and women that are affecting the world on such a grand scale. And I'm in this mastermind learning from them. So my competitive advantage is saying, Oh, Hey, you, wait, turn on, you need this here. Let me introduce you to this person, this person, that person, boom, boom, boom. And just connecting because I'm listening. I'm mm -hmm. listening to where I can help connect people. So everyone is doing what their genius allows them to do. 
how do you manage to find the time to have so many different things going on? There are so many people who have that one job, that one skill. They clock in at nine o'clock. They clock out at five o'clock. They're done for the day. They go home, watch some Netflix, go to bed. That's that one drive thing. And they look at people like you and they're like, you got so many things going on. How do you even keep your head on straight? Do you have like extra hours in the day or something? <laughs> You know, I'm real with myself and I'm just honest and I set my schedules. Like I wake up very purposefully in the morning. The first thing I do is I meditate. I take the dog for a walk. I'm listening to an audiobook. I come home. I have my coffee. I spend time with my wife and my children. I hit the gym, right? So everything is set up in a manner where I know what I'm doing ahead of time, right? It's not, and it's being truthful. People, people are, are fucking lazy, right? <laughs> We're all given the same amount of time, but if actually people paid attention to how much time they waste on social media, how much time they, they watch TV, how much time they're just distracted because most distractions are just, they're, they're running away from something, right? So how much time are you distracted and wasting in the day? If you're listening and you, you just actually got real with yourself, I guarantee you'd find an extra two, three hours in your day. And I take care of myself. I'm in great physical shape. So my energy level is high all day long. I'm not firing down Starbucks coffee, donuts, and all that other stuff so that my energy levels stay high. I know that I'm my million-dollar racehorse. I saw you take a drink right now a couple times. Water, I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm the same way. Like I'm, I'm drinking water all day long. I don't drink coffee. Um, and maybe if I got a sore throat or something, I'll have some tea or something like that, warm. But, but other than that, it's, it's water all day long. And, and, I'm, and I feel the same way. That energy level – it's funny because you go to the gym and you work out and at the end of the workout, you're kind of tired and yet you're kind of invigorated. Like it's, you're, you're exhausted, you're tired, you finished a hard training session, but you still have enough energy to push on through the rest of your day more so than people who sit on, on their butt all day long. How, how do you yeah. do that? Like how do you get past the two weeks or the three weeks that it takes to initially start that workout session? So it's just knowing that any step forward is a step forward. I'm not in a race against anyone else but myself, right? So I don't have to be deadlifting 500 pounds, right? I figure out where I'm at. And there's a book called Atomic Habits. Have you read it? I haven't. That's on my, that's on my to-do list. Mandatory. So the premise of the book is if you, you do something 1% better every day, 1% better, if you do it every single day, by the end of the year, you're 39 times better than when you were when you started. So workouts are the same. You just got to get started. So if it's a one minute walk one day, just next day, it's, you know, two minutes, you just progress against yourself and stop comparison. Like that's probably the biggest enemy of people is comparison, right? Instagram, Facebook, you, you can pull up pictures of people and be like, oh, wow, I'm not that. And you start just beating yourself up mentally. Mm -hmm. But really it's getting, again, being truthful with yourself and saying, here's where I'm going to start. Here's the end result. I'm just going to get better every day. And it's okay to not be better on some days. That's, it's okay. We're human beings, right? We, there are days I don't want to do shit. I'm sure you're the same way. 100%. There are days like, you know, but I understand that. And I also understand that if I'm tired, I rest, right? I know when to rest. I take a nap almost every single day, 2.30. It doesn't matter if I'm on the road. I, I don't schedule appointments, right? Like if I'm out, I'll take a nap. Here, watch this. Hold on. You're going to take a nap right now. Boom. There's my airline pillow. Right? <laughs> and I literally will lay down in the office and I will take a 15 minute nap. Just to recharge. 
you can read all the different studies about how taking a nap recalibrates you. And if I don't, I'm kind of lethargic sometimes, but it's just so back to your question, I'm rambling. It's one step at a time. It's okay to go backwards and just rest. I love that. Well, let's get a, let's get real. Um, a lot of people losing their jobs, a lot of people, uh, going into some of the darkest times financially that they haven't seen since, uh, 2008, the real estate market is going to take a hit. No matter who you talk to, the most optimistic real estate agent who's telling you everything's great, it's, it's not going to be so great. There's going to be some downturns. It's expected. We've been expecting a downturn for a while. It just happened to pivot really hard here. Um, what kind of advice are you sharing with, with agents, with uh, LOs, with people in the real estate space um, in preparation for these types of changes? So number one is make sure you're always talking to your people, right? Like people are taking this lockdown and not working. It's the perfect time to be connecting with your database and your people. There's always opportunity, always in a downturn. There's all, there's people that made millions of dollars in the last downturn. There are going to be people that make millions of dollars this time. It's finding that opportunity and understanding that you're like water, you're fluid, right? The things I actually think we're going to be way better off for it. Zoom. People never did Zoom meetings, right? Mm -hmm. I've been saying this for I don't know how many years, but I actually think that open houses are going to turn into virtual reality and people are going to have goggles and going to sit and go through it and watch what happens because of this and people can't go. Someone's going to have that idea. Like we're just going to boop. And this little thing, I was talking to my wife about it this morning, you know, because she's a real estate agent. We were talking about, you know, she has a, a possible listing. How's that going to look? Well, I think more people are adapt in making purchases from their phone and online now that the culture is changing. So what are we doing? We're finding opportunity. Where's your opportunity? Who are you connecting with? Right? Don't be lazy. That's the biggest thing is connect with people and talk to people. Things are digitizing. How can you be in the forefront of how real estate is going to change in a digital world? How do you feel about making a sale in a situation like this? There are a lot of people who are like, I don't want to ask for the business when, you know, I don't know, my neighbors, you know, in quarantine or that person lost their job, or I don't know if they have money to pay their bills. Like there's almost like this negative stigma of still asking for the sale, even though it's, if you're bringing the value that that person needs, why not offer that value? So I think you hit it on the head with value. It's all about value, right? You're not, it's coming from a place of compassion, right? And always starting with that and understanding that there are still needs that need to be met from different people. There are going to be people that are going to lose their home. Are you going to let them go talk to an agent who's going to be greasy and, and do them wrong? Or are you going to be the person that saves the day? Can you be, who are you the hero to, right? Mm -hmm. There are plenty of people that you can be a hero to in the right way and still make a great living. So you're saying be a good person, find the good in the situation that people, just because someone's going through something bad doesn't mean that you can't provide a quality service to help them through that bad time. Yeah. And I'll give you a story. So in my upbringing, we lost our house twice. When I was in sixth grade, we lived on Mount Helix. They put a big sign on our house that said foreclosure. It was terrible. We still went to the school that was less than a block away, mm -hmm. right? And kids would make fun of us. And it was just like... It sucked. And I will tell you that it sucked. And it was something that I had to work through as an adult in part of my growth as a person, right? I had to actually sit with that and go through it 
with one of my friends who guided me through this exercise to let that go. So hearing that, are you going to sit back and be the agent and be like, I could have helped that family, right? I could have saved them from that embarrassment. Think about those little kids that they're not the ones that, that can do anything about the situation that, that they're in. And you could be the agent or the LO that saves them that bad memory that sticks with them that who knows what the effect it actually had on my subconscious during my whole upbringing. That's yeah, that's absolutely true. Cause that again, you, I mean, you, you were saying that, that, you know, people made fortunes during the downturn. 2008 was a horrible time. There's a lot of people who ended up losing their homes and, and everybody looks at that negative aspect of it. But there are a lot of people who found tremendous opportunity during those times. <laughs> like if you kind of, Fast forward to today and you kind of start seeing the parallels. There's tremendous opportunity now, you know, like I've been spending so much time in the past quarantine, I don't know, 10 days of creating content, reaching out to people who are in business, who need a little bit of extra exposure, giving them, uh, you know, more podcast time, creating more content for them, like doing all these things, right. And not really charging anything. Just let me help you. Because yeah. I know that this, this quarantine time, it's, it's this much time. Whatever it's going to be, whether it's two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, whatever, it's this much time in the grand scheme of things. This is where I can give that positive karma and just continuously help because I know it's going to come back. As soon as everything's changing, I know it's going to come back. Oh, 100%. I mean, you can look at the last downturn. That's when Amazon was founded, Tesla. Um, some of the companies that are we, we actually are the big conglomerates now, they started in the recession and I'm, I'm on hundred percent alignment with you about just giving things away. Cause this is the time to build your tribe and just always doing the right thing and helping people. You can't ever go wrong. And I, one of my mentors, Roger James Hamilton was saying, we usually as humans overestimate what we can do in a year, but underestimate what we can do in 10. So this is going to be affect people. There's no doubt about it. It's happening right now. This is just a bump in the road. What's going to happen in 10 years. Right. Because think about all the growth that happened up until this point for the last 12 years. Right. 2008 happened. People lost everything. And then there was bad times and they got better and it got better and it got better. So this this is our little downturn. And I think that it reveals the character of, of human beings. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, one last thing. You said uh, a lot of people are wasting a lot of time on social media, right? And um, I know if I looked at my phone right now and I and I looked at that clock meter of how much I've spent on each of those apps, I'm up there, right? Um, and um, I like to tell myself I'm doing something a little bit different because I'm going through people's stories, and rather than just watching, I am interacting. I am commenting on their pictures. I am engaging with them in conversation. I am asking them for a little bit of help. It's not your traditional pick up the phone, but it's a way for me to stay top of mind. I, and then for me, it's, it's always multifaceted. One, I'm talking to that particular person, right? So they see my, yeah. my content. And then two, I'm big on trying to build a brand online. So how do I advance myself in these algorithms is I use the algorithm itself. I interact. And as I interact with these people, they'll see more of my brand. Um, and, and, uh, three, hopefully I find people that need help and I'm able to provide something of value. If I'm using social media like that, is it still a waste of time? No, you're being intentional. I'm not talking about like you're using it as a business tool, right? You're using technology the way 
it's intended to be used as rat. Well, maybe not it's intended, but for business, right? Like I'm going to be purposeful. The only thing I would ask you is how often do you get stuck in a black hole where something leads to one, to the other, to the next, and then you catch yourself, right? That so does happen. Yeah. It does happen. It's understanding having fail states, right? Like what am I going to do when this happens? If I get caught here, what happens? And I will tell you how I started being more intentional with mine is I set a 30 minute timer on the, the screen time app in my iPhone. So I know that I have 30 minutes. When that thing ends, it doesn't matter what part of my day it was, there's no more. That mm. makes you think like, how am I gonna use my time? So it, what happens is that if I do end up in a black hole, oh shoot, like I gotta, I gotta get, hurry up and get through this, you know? More intentional that way. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like anything else. When you have a goal, if you just have a, a when, you know, any type of goal without setting a specific timeline for it, it may or may never actually happen. But as soon as you set a deadline to it, all of a sudden, for some reason, it's much more attainable. You, you get, even if you don't achieve 100% of what you want to achieve, you're getting more done by the end of that time frame than any other time because you actually put a limit on it. Absolutely. There's a theory that says things expand into the time given. So it's really saying that I'm going to do this in this amount of time. And that's why I say most people are lazy because they mm -hmm. say I have eight hours to work to get all this done. If they really would say, hey, I'm going to give work all I have for four hours, they would get more done. It's funny how that works. I think of employees doing the same type of thing. If I give them too much time, they're going to absorb all that time. I need to increase the workload and you'll see magically how things get done. It's impressive. <laughs> or get paid, get paid per project if possible, right? Oh, that's another thing right there. That's a, yeah, that's... That becomes a management issue. But yes, you're right on that aspect of it per job. Mm -hmm. Jeremy, it's been fun, man. Yeah, thank, thank you for you. taking me on the roller coaster of your life from, <laughs> from going crazy, crazy 20s, uh, binge life, uh, crazy beat down door to uh, super productive, uh, masterminding, uh, talented business leader. So I, I appreciate yeah, the, uh, the roller coaster. Thank you for having me. And James, you talk too much, man. I couldn't even get a thought in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. Uh, I'm uh, saying hi to everybody that's been uh, checking us out on the podcast over here on the Facebook. Uh, so we got any questions? What do we got on there? I, I don't even no, know what's no. happening. <laughs> no questions. Just a lot of highs. Hi. <laughs> hi, everybody. Say hi, everybody. That's usually what James does on the show. So. <laughs> yeah. And normally we would have done this live. He'd have been managing the cameras, putting the banners under that sort of stuff. And then, uh, and then talking to people on Facebook. So he does talk a lot. He just talks with his fingers and his thumbs. <laughs> hey, that works. <laughs> Times are changing. Times are changing. All right, Jeremy. Hey man, right, guys, thank uh, real you. quick, real, real quick, real quick. How do people get a hold of you that want to work with you? So you can either, um, reach me. My, my Instagram handle is at Jericoombs, J E R C O O. M as in Mary, B as in boy, S. And my email is the same, jerkooms at gmail. So reach out. Um, or you can check my website. It's Refined Alpha. I have a podcast called The Refined Alpha. So nice. Those ways. Yes, sir. I got to make sure I give you a plug, man. <laughs> Great story. No plug. How does that work? <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> it's not about me. It's not about me. Well, today it is. And anytime <laughs> the guest comes on, it's all about the guest. Well, all I right. appreciate that. Thanks a lot, man. Ladies Thanks. and gentlemen, that's all we got for you guys today. Peace. And we're out. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you interested in being on the show? Are you looking to sell your home or have a business that needs insurance? Reach out to the Business Bros via email 
businessbros at csfirst.com right now or click on the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And remember to subscribe and share the podcast with the business professionals who you think would benefit from the show. 